0: If you're looking for success, it's in the details, small hinges, move big doors. And now
1: your host, Karen Allen. Hey friend, welcome back to in the details. I'm your host, Karen Allen. Listen, when I think about the books that have shaped my company into this heart-based business that it is today, one of those books is without a doubt, Free time by Jenny Blake. See, Jenny is all about helping people thrive while doing work they love. So, whether it's through her books or her podcasts or her programs, she inspires so many to enjoy the work that they feel called to do. And isn't it a blessing to be able to live during a time where we can actually shape our work and our career around our strengths? I mean, I know I feel very fortunate to live during this time. And one of my favorite lines from the free time book is, Freedom, joy, ease, surrender, and serendipity became my new guiding success metrics. I'll be honest, friend, about 60% of this book is highlighted or underlined, the one I'm holding in my hand right now. So I'm excited today. We're going to discuss how Jenny has adapted through her various stages of entrepreneurship, as well as some of the key strategies that have helped her and me create a highly successful business using the free time framework. Jenny, welcome.
0: Erin, you're amazing. Thank you so much. I love hearing your favorite line of the book. No one has shared that one before. So thank you for doing such a close read and for the kind words. It means the world.
1: Absolutely. Well, this book, from beginning to end, and I just shared before we hit record, uh, resonated on an incredibly deep level for me. And I started to listen to it on Audible, but I was only halfway through chapter one, and I was like, I'm gonna go ahead and hit stop, I'm gonna order the hard copy because I need to take some notes. Like, that's how impactful it was. And uh, thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom and really giving life and empowering the people who know how they want to do business from this very life giving way giving us a little more structure. Cause I'll tell you, I like a blueprint. I really do like a blueprint, but I'm curious, you know, you laid this blueprint for me that I felt was starting to resonate, but where did this blueprint, the inspiration for this free time application, where did that come for you?
0: Well, you said it for so long. I, I didn't embrace those other aspects of myself, my personality. I never gave myself permission to write or speak about business publicly because even though I've been running my own business for over a decade now, I just, all the things never quite felt confident, never felt like I didn't build a multi million dollar business. What could I possibly share? And yet I do have a love of systems and operational efficiency. That is something that friends kind of said. You do think about this in a unique way, Mm -hmm. but I also felt that there, it was missing that so many business books are about growing and grows at all costs and bigger is better. And the books are always teaching how to make more money and grow bigger and faster. Mm -hmm. And there's this other side of business building that I think is possible where the past people have called it a lifestyle business, but where you can build with ease and joy for the highest good of all involved, not just for the owner at the expense of the employees. But with a joyful, I call it a delightfully tiny team because I personally don't like having a big team.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
0: and as you said even before you record, tuning into your intuition. There are some business books that say like intuition will kill you because it will get you lost in the woods. <laughs> Whereas I believe that intuition is one of the biggest strengths that we have as business owners to pave a way forward that's resonant, that relies on our unique strengths, and that builds a business that we're actually happy to run. Hopefully, in As I say, like earning twice as much in half the time, also just decoupling ourselves from the time constraints that so many people operate in, even once they're self-employed.
1: Mm -hmm. I agree so much. I remember there was this tweet that went viral uh, during the pandemic and they were talking about this adjustment in our work hours and how this 40 hour work week was during a time when one person was at home taking care of the house, not when both adults were working 40 hours, like who's taking care of the home. And I was so happy to see that out in the world because I'm a single mama and a business owner. Mm. And I'm like, not only do I have to build the business and then run the business and then grow the business, you write all those things, but I need to make sure that food is on the table and who's doing the grocery shopping, who's doing the laundry, who's cleaning the toilets. Like there are other things that I need to do to keep life running. And so this was one of the biggest takeaways from the book is what kind of, and you also mentioned It's not just for business owners, but it is for leaders, like how you even want to run your your teams. But when you think about that, it's not always about as many hours as you can put in front of your screen or, or in the office. And that was one of the early takeaways that I would say is giving myself permission to create a life that is not just about the business and only business or life and only life, but the way that they are integrated.
0: And acknowledging how, I don't know about you, but I find some of the life stuff, adulting, to be most annoying. Like, There's a lot of my work I look forward to doing, and it's the stuff you mentioned, like grocery shopping, cleaning the house, taxes. There are so many things that we can solve for on the home front that just don't get talked about as much. There's a great book called Life Admin that was the first one in a while that I felt truly addressed it. But a lot of business and leadership books in the past have been written by men. And they don't really mention how much help they have on the home front by whom they're often married to someone who has stayed at home and is staying back. And so the books don't even address what kinds of systems and practices we can put in place. And the other thing is that a lot of business and leadership content, you know, I realize people have been calling free time every now and then they say it's a time management book or productivity book. And yet something about those terms gives me hives because... We're still like managing and squeezing and manipulating our time to get the most out of it for peak performance and to be at our absolute elite best. And yet the people who I wrote it for are not so concerned with like squeezing every drop from every minute. It's about high net freedom. So it's not just high net worth and building our financial equity, but it's high net freedom. And specifically, as you said, so many of the people that I'm writing to want to live a full life outside of work. You do have family that you're taking care of, whether it's kids or pets or partners, you do want to have time with your friends go for a walk in the middle of the day. You want to have time to exercise and eat well and prepare your food. And so I don't know how that's all supposed to get done, especially when you have the cognitive tax of running a business. If you are a business owner, or if you're a leader leading people, I actually think less is more. It's harder to develop systems that free our time so that we can work fewer hours in the week. That's actually the hard work that happens. The hard work isn't just clocking in for those expected 40 hours, whether or not that work is actually productive.
1: Mm, exactly. Exactly. Well, there are a couple of uh several concepts in this that I, I absolutely love. And we're not gonna go through them all because listen, listener, you got you gotta get the book. Okay, you gotta listen, you're ready to take some notes. I hadn't even like opened my iPad to take notes in several months. I blew the dust off, charged it, and took so many notes on there wow, to add notes I'm everywhere. So
0: honored. <laughs> it's
1: amazing. <laughs> and so I one of the ways that you described heart-based business and life giving leadership touched me in my soul because maybe i and i feel again very fortunate to live during a time where we are talking about things that are about the whole person right not just the job title not just the industry that you're in but as people how do we interact with each other take care of each other so I think I loved the life-giving business because, and the life-giving leadership, because it is at the core of what I hope people get from the content that I'm putting out. When it, when I talk about how do you navigate stress, how do you manage your mental well-being, all of that good stuff. So so I know that's life-giving. But then I was curious: how does life-giving leadership look in other businesses or industries that may not be a service-based business? And I know you work with a lot of heart-based businesses owner. So can you give some examples of how you've seen life giving leadership show up in other types of industries?
0: Well, I've worked in companies of all sizes. So I worked at a startup in Silicon Valley as the first employee and it grew to 30. Then I moved over to Google where I worked for five and a half years as it grew from 6,000 to 36,000. And so I have worked in different businesses of all sizes. Those two were tech companies and you know my own business is now i'm based in new york city but the thing that i recognized earlier in my career was that i kept going through these cycles of hitting burnout just burnout crash recover burnout crash recover and part of that was because i was working in a really fast paced company but the other realization that i had is that burnout doesn't serve anyone so when we talk about a life giving business it's not even just a nice to have and oh well, aren't you lucky you can create a life giving Business or leadership mm-hmm. style or, or company culture, mm-hmm. it's actually what's best for our instrument. Mm-hmm. That by the time mm-hmm. you're moving up the chain, Chat GPT is now <laughs> gonna <laughs> run the world. By the time we're shifting away from more routine work into cognitively demanding work, like creative thinking, strategic thinking, leading others, the emotional intelligence and resources that are involved in managing people and teams all of a sudden, like at that point, your best asset is your brain and your body and having them be healthy and in top condition. Mm -hmm. And so sacrificing sleep just to answer a few more emails doesn't serve anybody, least of all yourself, least of all the company. So I think for me, it's also how can I You know, the whole question of free time is what small steps can we take today to free our time far into the future? And it's not about working faster, going back to the productivity conversation. It's about actually stepping back, being the watcher as we go about the day to day, creating systems where ideally once you create a system that works, it's harder not to use it. Mm-hmm. And the system itself frees your time into the future. And the more we can do that, the more free we are to get out of the weeds and the minutia and the stuff that completely drags us down and drains our energy and do more of our best work. Because I think that's what so many of us crave. We're not trying to not work at all, at least not right now. Yeah. We want to do resonant work that makes an impact where we feel like we're expressing our highest and best self through our work. And through the leadership that's happening behind the scenes,
1: absolutely. So it, it's not just you know when you think about this this life giving leadership and this concept, it's not just about okay, well, in what area are we serving the world? Because I think that's what initially people would think, but it's more so of like, how am I living fully and creating an environment with systems? I love good system, good automation. Give it to me. <laughs> I yes. But but that <laughs> also bad. supports us being able to live fully and holy. Am I hearing that right?
0: Yeah. And there's McKinsey research, for example, they studied a group of executives and found that they were five times more productive when they were in a flow state than when they weren't. Mm -hmm. So it just also taking this out of people who, again, who would think, oh, well, that's such a luxury, easy for you to say, we would actually get five times more work done. And I would argue we're having 10 times more fun yeah. when we're in a flow state. And that flow state means that if we can block out distraction, if we can carve out what Cal Newport calls deep work time, and we can be really disciplined with our calendar design and it really intentional, then when we're in that flow state, that's where we feel so good and accomplished. And if you just contrast that with the mantras, like I'll sleep when I'm dead, or like we have to hustle now so we can cash in later. It just doesn't work. I find that when I'm sleep deprived or haven't been exercising well or eating well, or I don't have the time as we were talking about to take care of things on the home front, everything starts to fall apart. Absolutely. So yeah, regardless of industry, I actually think this is the way to progress faster and make a bigger impact and stand out more. It's just a little bit counterintuitive to a lot of what you see in here in the yeah. business world.
1: Yeah. A lot of the way that we've kind of been been programmed, right? The, the way that we've been taught to do it and to butt up against that, you know, I mean, the bravery, honestly, Jenny, to write this book, to put it down. I just, I believe that the universe rewards bravery. So thank you for being so brave and giving us a new way to work. You started off at the very right place of this when you're like, okay, if I'm going to do work differently, well, what does that look like? And the first part of this framework is to align. And when we align ourselves with our strengths, when we align ourselves with the work that gives us energy, when we even give ourselves the space to go into the deep work mode, which blocking off Mondays and Fridays so that you can actually work and not just be in meetings, like you are going to see a complete shift in your productivity there. But I think that this is just so beautiful. This is this is something that you wrote and that I absolutely love Uh, as Wade models for her community. You say you can build in a way that aligns with your health, your values and your long-term success, which is not a mindset that people have been, can, have been working from have been shaping their work from it's not from these spaces so when you think about how you've created work that aligns with your health your values and your long-term success what was one of the first things that you had to change to live up to to this
0: one of the big ones and i still work on this to this day it's always a work in progress is equally prioritizing deep rest. So we talked about deep work, Mm. but what does it look like to rest? And specifically, I've noticed that my energy tends to go in big waves, big cycles. I almost thought about writing a book on this exact topic and I didn't, (laughs) or at least I haven't yet, (laughs) but I'll go through periods where I'm super productive Like, even if we take free time as an example, I was so blissed out writing the book and being behind the scenes and being a hermit and being horrible at email. I loved it. I was so happy. And then the energy shifts to marketing. So it's much more about having conversations and more extroverted, even though I'm a deep introvert on the inside, it kind of shift into that mode. And then on the other side of that big marketing push, the book is almost a year old now is a need to retreat and rest and recharge and recalibrate. I do think that the pandemic gave a lot of us that same roller coaster in its own ways of having to immediately shift how we were working when dealing with all kinds of crises the last few years. Mm-hmm. But when I don't give myself permission to rest and retreat a little bit, I find that I have so much friction that returns because my expectations are so high of what I could be able to do or should be able to do, but my energy is low. Mm -hmm. And I even started the year, the day after Christmas, got COVID, spent the first two weeks of the year completely laid out flat, Mm -hmm. just trying to get better. And so while everyone else was talking about like, what are your goals and dreams (laughs) for 2023? I was just in bed, miserable, just trying to feel slightly better. And That to me was a reminder that my health is number one. Mm -hmm. That really kicked my butt because no matter what my goals and dreams are going to be business wise, I really needed to prioritize health. And so I'm trying to carry that theme forward of making sure that I exercise first thing in the day, even if it means I don't get to a few more emails in my inbox, and just being willing to be bad at things and be willing to make trade offs. There have been many times where. I am just willing to be, I say, I joke that I put the snail back into email because <laughs> yeah. I'm willing to make that trade-off and be slow. I don't want my reputation to be that I was so fast at answering email. I would rather it be that I wrote a book that really resonated with you, Karen, like that <laughs> just makes my day. It's, it's everything. I would so much rather that you love the book and especially coming from you then you look back and you think, well, Jenny was such a fast email responder. Mm. What an amazing person.
1: Yes, <laughs> you know? yes. I, early on, you know, trying to create a business as a speaker, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have anybody in my network that could help me. And it was actually coming from a very painful chapter in my life. And the things that I learned during that tragedy and my healing, I wanted to be able to share with the world. But being a single parent, the reality was I needed to also make money. And so I would work all these you know, different jobs, consulting, what have you, just to bring in the money while I was building the dream. But really the dream wasn't just because I wanted to be a speaker. I wanted to be an entrepreneur so I could have the freedom and flexibility to always put my son first so that nobody was dictating my time. And I could just, if, I, if the nurse called, I could drop everything. So coupling my passion with also my love for my son and him being my North star, when I wasn't making that money, when things weren't working out well, when I wasn't booking the clients that I, you know, or the events that I was applying to, I had a breakdown and I felt like a complete failure. And I thought I shouldn't be building this business. Why am I even doing this? This is crazy. And I realized that I needed to realign myself with the values that actually, I guess, internally gave me permission to chase this dream. And that was the freedom and flexibility to be the best single parent that I could be that my highest value was my son and him feeling loved and knowing that his mom was going to be there. And now it's that just makes it more interesting because my son can go with me sometimes, or like he sees the work that I'm doing, That's but so that has cool. never changed whether I was broke or whether business was booming the value and why I started and why I'm shaping my business the way I am. And I don't take calls after three o'clock, or I, you know, don't take calls before 10, whatever it is, right? All of those things that you were outlining in the book. I was like, Jenny, thank you for seeing me. Thank you for giving me permission to be both a super mom and also a kick-ass keynote speaker. I appreciate that. Oh, I love
0: it. I love it. I just want to jump up and down with joy for you and with you. And just to give yourself that permission of looking back and saying, like, oh, I just, I just love, I love how clear you are. Your son is so lucky to have you as as his mom. He won the mom lottery and having him be your North star and that clarity you have. And like the way you're holding both, like, I want to be this amazing, incredible mom, super present and this kick-ass keynote speaker. And I can do both. And the question is just, how can I do both? It's not Having to choose, and it's not having to overly sacrifice one for the other. Mm -hmm. And this is our life. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm not convinced that if you were to sacrifice all this time with your son just to get your business off the ground and say, well, I'll spend more quality time with him when I reach certain milestones. First of all, you will never get that time back. I know I don't have to tell you, but also I'm not convinced we're not building good habits. So I'm not convinced that if you build that way, all of a sudden, one day you can turn on a dime and suddenly be the most carefree, free, present parent and business owner. You know, the chapter where I say how we bake is as important as what we make. Yes. And yes. I really believe that what you just described, how you're baking mm-hmm. is so beautiful and present and whole and, and sound like fulfilling. I can see it in your radiant eyes and in your voice that that's as important as what you make, whether financially what the accolades you land, it's like those, that is the work, that is the business. And I, I just think by building that way, the universe does provide, you know, mm-hmm. like there, it, mm-hmm. the abundance is there. There is, we are always shown the one next step and the one after that but it's like building with no regrets. I just love hearing. I love hearing your approach.
1: Yes. Yes. And so the next part actually builds on that because as I was discovering what my truest values were in life and how that was going to also shape the business, because I, I was not going to cut that off. I knew that they were going to be integrated a big part of it was trusting myself and building what you call the business intuition. And so, I mean, I literally called my best friend when I read this part of it and you were talking about the dating scene and how you were like, hey, listen, me and dating app, Girl, but we're all on the same page here. I, my best friends are like, Karen, it's a numbers game. You got to put yourself out there. I'm like, no, because I'm an energy person and I'm not getting energy through swiping. So I can't do all that. Okay. It doesn't feel right. So, but when you said that, and, and again, reader, you'll see what we're talking about here. I know this sounds like it's coming out of left field, but you use the same uh, skill, human skill of intuition, not just in your personal life and in your dating life, which you said, I'm going to leave. Uh, dating to serendipity, which then made me journal. Wow. Did I believe that serendipity ran out in like, I don't know, 1900s? Did I just be- all of a sudden create that belief in my head? But you said, and and trusting your intuition, all of this going together is that when you trust yourself, you have to also know that like your heart is leading the way for the things that are for you. And so, yes, it may take place in personal life, but it also takes place professionally. Like it doesn't just stop in your personal life. And for me, I'm probably a marketing person's worst nightmare because everything that I was doing, I was like, well, that doesn't feel right. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to try it this way. And, and eventually they they did pay off. They paid off very much because I didn't want to step outside of alignment. I wanted to do what was true for me. I wanted to stay the course. I was getting told nobody is going to buy a course on mindset. Nobody wants to talk about that. And then the pandemic hit. Now, I'm not saying the pandemic was all for me and to accelerate my business, but the thing was, I was trusting my intuition enough throughout the time prior to the pandemic that when that time hit, I was ready. Talk a little bit about how you strengthen understanding, getting in touch. For me, it feels like building a relationship with my inner guide. That's what it feels like to really strengthen this intuition. What does that look like? And how can people start to strengthen that for themselves?
0: Well, I love what you just shared. And as a keynote speaker, I could imagine you probably pivoted in many ways when the pandemic hit. I know I did like 80% of my gigs and projected income for the year just vanished. I
1: was literally on the plane. They were like, Hey, we got to (laughs) cancel. I was like, okay.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. I know. And so much change of these last few years of what's coming in and interest wise. So that's been a big adjustment. And Intuition is a skill. I love Penny Pierce's book, The Intuitive Way. That's the book that I read that really started me down this path. Tosha Silver's book, Outrageous Openness, is also so incredibly delightful. And what I love about building the skill of intuition is it does get stronger and better over time. For the people who criticize intuition as somehow too soft of skill to apply to business, I think it's actually the opposite. Intuition is a collection of thousands of data points. So it to me, it is the best muscle that we have. It's the best skill we can leverage to make resonant aligned decisions, just as you described Karen doing in your business, and that the intuition guides us sometimes to spot trends or do things before everyone else is doing them or go against the grain when even what everyone else is doing is no longer resonating that's when I think it's hard to listen to intuition. Cause I know for myself, I'll often say, well, what's wrong with me? Why can't I hack it even free time? It's why can't I keep up with these work structures or a 40 hour work week and get it all done and manage the household and be the breadwinner and all the things like what's wrong with me. But on the other hand, well, because I Need more time to recharge, or because I am the breadwinner and taking care of things in our household, like I just need to do things differently. And that's where innovation can come from. So, tuning into intuition as a skill. And what I learned from Outrageous Openness is also surrender that intuition will show us the one next step and the one after that. And sometimes what's unfolding is bigger than us and we can't see the wisdom yet. And so, surrendering Tosha Silver calls it offering we offer it up and say, this is bigger than me. I don't know what to do. Please show me one next step. And we can't always know the full picture. And I think the last few years have shown us this, Mm -hmm. that the plans kind of go out the window and there is a sense of surrendering and being shown the way and trust, trusting that when we take steps that are aligned, I don't know, in my experience, they do work out. Not always, not always as predicted, but I also try, there's a Zen saying, don't push the river. Mm-hmm. I also try even financially not to panic. Like if when when I call it the financial tides recede, if you don't rush out into the water and go chasing them, like losing 80% of mine or our income when the pandemic hit, there's a lot of little gems that wash up on the shore mm-hmm. when the financial tides recede or when the clients aren't knocking on the door. Of course, sometimes it means... Okay, time to go do more marketing, but it might also mean there's a transition opportunity here, or there's something new that wants to be created and that can be created through you. And so the, that's why I think it's important to get quiet as well, because that quiet and that skill of listening to intuition and reading the energy of the room, like the broader proverbial room of the business world can actually give you an edge and help you be ahead of the trend and ahead of what's coming.
1: Absolutely. And it gives you the opportunity to respond instead of just reacting. Because I know for me, whenever I start to listen to my intuition, it's never a rapid fire experience. (laughs) It's not like all of a sudden the light switch went off. It's like, I need to sit with it for a while. I need to, you know, kind of like spend some time. And, and as I am spending that time, I'm like, oh, and new things, new insights start popping up. Or I'm like, oh, well, I don't know why I was thinking that. It's like, you know, you're just, Almost like for me, I guess it feels like savoring the moment and then being able to reflect. Okay, now from that, what is going to be the next best step? As opposed to which a lot of times business being very fast paced for most people, it's reactionary. And that's not always giving you the quality outcome that you really desire.
0: Yes. And you talked about reading energy too. So part of this aligned stage is yes, your own intuition, but also the energy and the energy feel like. It can get confusing in business career because it's tied up with our paycheck, wherever our income is coming from. And yet your intuition will also tell you when a certain client or type of client or type of income stream is no longer giving you energy. It's taking your energy. And so staying attuned to that, just like I do think there are so many parallels to the dating world. The reason I hated online dating is that I would show up for, let's say an hour date and within three seconds, you can know if there's attraction (laughs) or not. You can read the energy instantly. And then I was always feeling like I would rather be home reading a book than dragging myself where every single element of it felt like a chore. And there was no amount of turnarounds or self-talk that I could do to actually have fun with the process. I genuinely always would have rather been home reading a book, you know, and every now and then I'd have a good experience that would lead to a friendship, but none of it felt resonant. So the same thing I think with clients, it's like, who are the clients or colleagues or company culture, whatever it is that is just not aligned with your energy or you feel full of friction and you're drained and you're dreading going to a call or a meeting and just pay attention to that. And it's, If we can get over the fact that, oh, there's something wrong with me, why can't I just get on board? There's really valuable information there. And similarly, we can also observe where's our energy the highest, you know, where are we the most lit up, where are we the most in the zone, who energizes you inside of work, outside of work. That's exciting too, because that's what we can then look for, do even more of.
1: Absolutely. And I know you talk about that in the, in the assign section of it, but before we get to that, I'm going to put a little pin up here. So I remember to go back to that, which was really fun to actually read. You know, when you talk about what actually gives you energy, it's so much, it's so liberating to be able to design a role that is all about work tasks, even projects, whatever that gives you energy because it completely changes your relationship with work. But we'll put a pin in that real quick. Uh, because the second session, uh, section. So the first one was a line a lot to unpack there. So listeners again, have your highlighter ready. The second area is to design. Now, when you were talking about design, I think that this was in the second part maybe and maybe it was in the first, but you were essentially talking about like the feeling of your brand. And I remember going through an experience with someone who's a branding expert she compared Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks, and she said they're the same thing, right? They're giving you coffee, giving you some snack options, but why do they feel different? I and mean, they do; they feel completely different. We started to talk about this. You know, it's uh, the colors, it's the you know kind of chairs that they would use, and really the ambiance, and it started to give me a lot of opportunity to think about like, how am I creating? How am I designing this business? And how does it feel to the other person? What are some tidbits that you would suggest for individuals who are considering the feeling as they're designing their business and they're thinking about what are some ways they can start to tune into that piece of how does my brand feel to not just myself, but also to my clients?
0: Well, I've been very fortunate to work with some great brand strategists, most recent for Free Time and for Pivot. Actually, I worked with Together Agency. They're amazing. They're based in New York. And they have asked me really creative questions to try to get at some of the more, I don't know, it's like intangible elements that you described it. How do you want your brand or your business? How do you want people to feel when they encounter it, when they go to your website, when they open something in the physical mail from you. It all ties together. And I've, I've always invested really heavily in brand. I think it's as important as everything else because it's the first impression. And I always, and so some of the creative questions to go back to that for a minute. Um, my friend Adam, who run, who is a co-founder of together agency. He once asked me if your brand were a fabric, what would it be? Ooh, and the answer is not a good one. That's a great and one. My, my answer was cashmere because it's soft mm. and fuzzy and comfortable, but still elegant, still has an upscale mm. vibe. Maybe now it would be pure athleisure, comfort, core, coziness. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have these. Sorry for the bouncing ball noise, but I have these fuzzy slippers yes. called warmies. I heard about these. You put them in the microwave, and uh, my husband will joke, he'll say, I'm going to go cook some slippers now. <laughs> but <laughs> they're just soft and fuzzy and warm and delightful. Mm-hmm. So, okay. That's a brand experience too. And another question Adam asked me once, if your brand were a plant, what kind of plant would it be?
1: These really that's great, great questions. questions,
0: right? It's just to get you thinking in a totally different way. And mm-hmm. so if your brand were a song, what would it be? Or what would be your brand's theme song? you know all of this gets to that emotional feeling and yes. and i find that the it guides so much decision making and thinking not just what the site or the material looks like how it sounds mm-hmm. what graphics to use what kind of the what kind of photography like the entire visual voice connects back to some of these esoteric seeming questions mm-hmm. and so i would say to listeners if you haven't worked with a brand strategist before mm-hmm. It's very, very powerful. And it will, I I say that, and I know you have a lot of realtors mm-hmm. in your audience. I would say that I've often described it to friends who are a little hesitant to invest because it can be, mm-hmm. I mean, some companies charge over six figures for a mm-hmm. full-on brand strategy, but it's instead of like redecorating a room in your house, you're actually remodeling from the ground up. Like mm-hmm. a good brand is like building a bigger house that you will then move into, live into. A brand strategy can serve you for 5, 10, 15 years of growing into it. So it's a structural piece of the equation that serves everything else. It's not just like painting the wall a different color.
1: Mm, yes, yes. And I remember thinking how you tie this together to your values because when you start to design your business and the different intricacies that come with it, then you want to think about. How do those values shine through in the way that we're working? Your gift giving database was a big one for me. You know, thinking about how we communicate, what kind of resources are we making sure that our guests have after we have karma? It's like so many different things because, and this is where I felt very connected, one of the values that I hold very dear is generosity. That's why I connected with this. You mentioned this was one of yours as well. And it's not just all, you know, of course, someone may say, okay, generosity, sure, that pairs up with with gifting. But how does that pair up in, in other ways? Well, for me specifically, after working with podcast guests, I'm like, you know, I don't want them to have to work too hard when they share. I want to generously give them the copy that would be helpful for them to quickly share. So it doesn't take away from all of the other work that they love to do. Right. I want to give them something that makes them their life easier, that, that helps them to be more efficient. Rose, again, we're soul sisters Mm -hmm. in efficiencies. (laughs) And so, you know, it, it was very encouraging to just pair up the first part of what do I want to align myself with and what matters? And how does that actually come out in some of these, what we would experience as maybe just mundane tasks or different systems that are in place, but how does it really live out in the operations of our business, which I think was so beautifully done.
0: I'm so happy you brought this up because that is such a practical, tactical example that you want to with a value of generosity, you want to give your guests the gift of time and not ask them to do too much. And I want to contrast that. So it's not always, doesn't have to be gift giving as the expression of generosity. Shout out to John Rowland, who wrote a great book called Giftology. That's who I learned from. There are some podcast hosts that let's say their value is automation, but it's to such an extreme that they've automated so much of the humanity out of the process. But also, I'm seeing a trend now where people are sending me as the guest. This incredibly detailed questionnaire, like, what was a peak experience in your life? What were three examples of times when you XYZ? Can you come up with five talking points? And in a sense, they're making the guest do all the work for them. Yes. So it's not a good experience as the guest to say, here, you have all this homework just to be on my show. Please do all the prep work for me as the interviewer. Yes. And as a guest, I find it to be a complete turnoff because. They're asking for even more of my time in advance, writing it all out, which I don't find to be nearly as fun of a format than just having a live conversation with somebody. And that's an example of like too many systems or like Mm -hmm. too much of an attempt at automation gone wrong where you're no longer considering the other person. Like there's a values gap there. of something kind of going haywire, even if it's well-intentioned.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Which is why it's good. You know, something else you talk about in the book is like, just look at what you have in place and see if it's still the way that you want to operate. Right. So this is me jumping into the assigned part, which is very, very important, but, uh, but there's again, a ton to unpack. We, we would not be able to do it all in the time that we have today, but that was one of the biggest ones from design that really helped me. And so I just wanted to call that out for, for our listeners here. Okay. Now, as we get into the assigned part. So again, remember this free time framework, it's three parts. We're talking about aligning. Then we're also making sure that we're designing how we want to be aligned. And the biggest part here was you can't do it all. And that's where we have the idea the notion of a delightfully tiny team. Can you explain this to our listeners? Yes, and this can be again at home or work to go yep. full circle
0: because the more time we can free up on the home front as well that can serve us for doing our best work that we want to do. Aside is a challenge to myself included. It's really an encouragement. The fact that it's the third stage of the free time framework is basically Do not pass go without at least trying to delegate as much as you can. And in the book, I say, you know, double what you delegate. I just know that I always hesitate. Like whether it's cleaning the house, I can do it myself or whatever it is. I often hesitate to delegate because it takes a little more work up front. You got to find the right person, sometimes replace them, then replace them again. You, sometimes they don't do it exactly the way I would have wanted. And so there are challenges to delegating and yet there's just no way that one person can do it all. And there's Why no do we way that put each that pressure of us, on ourselves? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And then, you know, the easiest place to start with delegating is what you what you hate doing, what drains you, what you're not even good at. That's the stuff that's really joyful to start with because you don't want to do it and you're not good at it anyway. So start there. I even, you know, wherever you have friction. So the whole free time framework is on the guiding question of where are you in friction? Where are you in flow? Anywhere that you're in friction, you can solve for. So there was a time where my husband and I were just kind of like, I don't know, bickering, not even fighting, but just, I was like nagging him about how cluttered our house was. I'm like, Oh, we're living like college students. And it was always frustrating to me. And growing up, I grew up kind of in a more frugal household. So the idea of hiring a weekly cleaner on a recurring basis was really edgy for me. It just, it was seemed like a lot of money. It seemed like maybe excessive once a week. Do we really need that? But doing that actually reduced so much friction about like bickering over who's picking up what and when in the house, because no matter what, I knew someone was going to come every week. And the fact that I was able to put it on recurring meant that I didn't always have to decide when to text the cleaner. That was, and I know this example seems kind of silly because it's on the home front, but there were so many friction points of, is the house dirty enough yet? Should I reach out? Are they available? Oh no, now they need to reschedule compared to a system. This is a service that I'm going to hire. They're going to come once a week. They're going to replace the person if someone can't make it. And then I could set my mind at ease about it. And the same thing can happen in business. Like The best thing I did also involves spending the most money of delegating my two shows, my two podcasts, the podcast production. For many years, I've had the Pivot podcast for eight years, free time for a little over two years and for a long time i was delegating but to a kind of uh random network of subcontractors let's just say mm-hmm. so cognitively i still owned the life of every episode and what did that mean i was the bottleneck what did that mean that often it would all grind to a halt when i needed a break mm-hmm. so although i was delegating show notes and scheduling and audio editing to different people i still held all the control and therefore it again it would just get backed up when I couldn't carry the life of every episode forward. As soon as I hired the production team, one stone creative, although was a nerve wracking investment and monthly spend, especially for the area of my business, it's the least directly profitable, but the most enjoyable all of a sudden I could do what I uniquely do, which is show up, have a conversation and that's it. And they own the life of an episode. And the last thing I'll say here is I had to tell them Do not let me be the bottleneck. Please make sure that the episode goes live every, in my case, I'm publishing three a week, but don't let, don't miss a deadline on my account. So if I haven't reviewed the show notes, make them live anyway, and then I'll have to go in and edit after the fact, if I didn't get to my deadline on time. But what I don't want is for me to be the breaking point where something doesn't go live because you're waiting on me. Don't wait for me. The show goes on. And they haven't missed. And that's like something they take pride in, which Um, has been really helpful.
1: We got to get out of our own way, Mm -hmm. right? We have to get out of our own way and let the people around us support us fully. I, again, this was something that you just really, even though I already had a couple of pieces in the business that were set up like this first one being having a business manager. So I don't have to do all the contracts and the negotiations and going back and forth, all that, that was one. And God bless my Melissa because she came in when I did not have a lot, but I was like, Hey, this is what I can do for now. If you'll grow with me. And she has, she's been with me for three years now. She was the first person that I invested in. And that has made the biggest change in my business. But one that happened while I was reading your book (laughs) was a bookkeeper because I'm, I'll handle all the invoices. I'll do all the you know, I'll, I'll balance right. it every month. I'll, it was the worst part of the things I had to do to run this. I would be in tears. Like, I don't want to do this, but I'm so grateful, but I hate this. I mean, it was just, it was terrible. And finally... I set my intention that I was ready to let that go. And that's, I think, a part of this is that you really have to be clear. You have to set your intention. So that way you are making a decision knowing that it's coming from a, a place of clarity. And again, not just reactionary mode, but when I was ready to let that go and I knew that I needed to delegate and I you know would bring somebody on, a friend of mine had someone she had just started with within the last, you know, couple of months who was doing an amazing job. And so now we share her as a resource. She's phenomenal. And those were two areas in the business that I absolutely felt the most tension. And then as soon as they were taken off my plate, I was able to do exactly what you just said. I could be present in my podcast. I could, you know, I love learning. You will see me signing up for all sorts of things. I wanna learn so I can serve my community more deeply. But then there were those two that I actually hadn't read this part of the book when I brought it in. The one was having someone clean the house. And I was like, yeah, I, I need help. And even if it's just once a month and I gave myself permission for that. But the second one was meal kits because yes. I, as a single parent, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to have to think about anything. I don't want, like, I don't know what to cook. We're going to have hot dogs and beans. I don't know. I can't even think of a meal. I would have, I have an elaborate Pinterest board and it's, oh, it's organized cookbook, this chicken, air fryer, all the but to even go there and have to decide which one i have to do and do i have everything in the you know refrigerator all of that was becoming stressful so i signed up for hello fresh and i was like now my life is that much easier because every sunday when the box comes i know i have at least four meals that week and we're good to go on everything else i mean jenny what you're talking about here is so simple to implement and yes, as a business owner, you're gonna to have to look to see where can you invest, but it always comes back. The investment may be yes, you know, through more sales because of the person who you brought in. But for me, the greatest return on investment was time and peace of mind. And that's Mm, what I'm hearing, you know, was kind of the, the core of you sharing this on the assign and the delegation part. Also listener, we will make sure this is in the show notes, but if you get your copy of the book, Jenny shares a lot of her personal tools on Notion, which is my favorite platform. And I remember going on there and grabbing all of the things you delegated. I was like, all right, Jenny, I'm going to follow your lead here. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yes.
0: I love I'm obsessed with Notion. I replaced Google Docs, Sheets, Airtable, Asana, Evernote, all of it. I only use Notion now. And I'm so glad you brought up meal kits because same on my end. It's well, I'm not even a great cook. My husband's the better one in the kitchen. But we would both get to the end of the day. I'd be exhausted and there's no cognitive energy left to exactly as you said, think of what to cook. And so for a while, we tried meal kits. I once had a VA. I said, please, we want to try every service and decide what we like best every two weeks. Send us a different service. And so we set up this grand experiment. And then lately, we've been doing the pre cooked meals. The two that I've narrowed down for all our experimenting are Territory and Factor. And they are delicious. And it's not that we never cook, but it's on the long days where we walk out of the office dragging our feet exhausted. Nobody has to be hangry. Nobody has to wonder what to make. We pop it in the microwave. And I know some people are anti microwave, but in five minutes, there is a delicious meal ready. And it doesn't have to be every day or every meal, but having that as a backup, such a relief, just such a huge relief.
1: Immense, immense relief. So again, Jenny, I could go through this entire book page by page, all the notes, the notebook, the iPad notes, all of it with you during this time. But I want our listeners to enjoy it on their own. I want them to go ahead to get the book. Make sure you also listen to Jenny's podcast. She has a wealth of information there. But I have to tell you, you know the The subtitle, "Lose the Busy work, Love Your Business" is spot on because even though I loved my work and I was willing to work sometimes till two or three o'clock in the morning and and, you know, grind it out as it used to be, I knew there was a better way and it was a better way that it was going to serve my life from a a holistic perspective. And I am glad that I had some of those things, but you really got me over the finish line of what really needs to be in the business so that it can operate efficiently. And I am so grateful that you've carved out some time to share some of these wisdom nuggets and, and all of the insights here with our listeners. So thank you so, so much for being here. How can our listeners connect with you?
0: Thank you so much, Karen. You're such a bright, shining light in the world. I feel honored. The material has resonated so much and it clearly resonated because this is already how you are and how you operate. And so high fives. <laughs> it's so amazing to be able to connect and help each other feel less alone in the journey of building the way that we are. And to all of you listening, thank you for being here. The best place to go is you can visit itsfreetime.com toolkit There you can get all kinds of free tools and templates. Yes, they are in Notion, as Karen mentioned. And subscribe to the podcast. So wherever you're listening to this, search for Free Time with Jenny Blake and you'll find the show.
1: Wonderful. Well, thank you again for sharing this new way of working. I wish you so much success in all of your future endeavors. Likewise. Thank you, Karen. Big
0: thanks, everybody. This has been In the Details. If you like the show, tell a friend. For more shows like this, go to success.com slash podcast.